0: Hey there, and welcome to Level Up Radio, presented by Coach Now. I'm Spencer Dennis, and on today's show, we feature Katherine Roberts. As we launch into this new year of podcasts here on Level Up Radio, I wanted to make sure that we highlight Katherine Roberts for sure. Uh, She's been a friend of ours for quite some time and is one of those really special multifaceted coaches. She's got a background, a really deep background in biomechanics, yoga, and Pilates. She's currently doing work with multiple major league baseball teams, and she's also built a massive business called Yoga for Golfers. So she's the founder and president of Human Performance for Sports and Yoga for Golfers. During this conversation, we cover the entire entrepreneurial journey, how to develop your niche, how to discover that niche, all the trials and tribulations that go on with building a business, structuring partnerships. And one of the things that I, I really find interesting, and we've uh, this is definitely more of a trending topic these days, is certifications. And I think Catherine's done a really fantastic job of not only creating a certification, but delivering a certification that's very, very meaningful and continues to scale. So with that, I hope that you enjoy the conversation. I know I took a lot away from it. It was an exciting call, Uh, and Catherine, as you will tell, is incredibly engaging, and it's really no wonder why she's had so, so, uh, so much success. So with that, let's dive into it, and we'll see you on the other side. Thanks. Awesome!
1: Awesome to be with you, Spencer. Always.
0: Yeah. So let's let's dig into it. As you know, we're going to talk about the business of coaching and training and instruction, however you want to phrase it. Um, And usually, the way I kick these things off is to ask what your day to day is like, and then we'll work backwards and forwards as we go. Um, But just kind of walk us through how you usually are spending your day, um, and then I think that really helps a lot of people that listen to this get the opportunity to learn more about you.
1: Okay. Well. Uh, I will say that my day starts very early in the morning and candidly, I'm a coffee drinker. So, uh, you know, um, actually, let me back up. My day actually always starts with about 20 minutes of meditation. Okay. I think it's really important for for all of us, right, is to take that time before we hit the ground running to, you know, set whatever your intention is for that day. Maybe your inten- one of my intentions always is, how can I be of maximum service to my clients and the people that I come in contact with? So I always start every morning at 20 minutes of meditation.
0: And are you using uh, an app to guide you or is it just quiet time by yourself?
1: No, no it's just quiet time. Um, again, you know, truthfully, I do get up and I get my coffee first and then I, there you go. <laughs> And then I start my meditation, but I've been doing it for so long, Spencer, that I feel almost a little bit superstitious about it. I, sure. I feel a little bit of off kilter if I, for some reason, don't take that time. So I, like I said, I've been doing it for a long time and I find that it really centers me and it gives me a greater sense of purpose than just hitting the ground running in a state of reactivity.
0: Yeah, the reactivity is, boy, when you run your business like I do and like you do, right? You look at the phone and boom, you're off to the races, right? So you got to have some time before that.
1: Exactly. So I, I always start at, with meditation and then um, typically I will also um, in the morning start out with my own personal workout. Um, I think that if I'm going to be training athletes, I need to be fit myself. I need to be practicing what I'm preaching, which is, you know, the importance of some type of daily activity. So in my world, you know, it's yoga and Pilates. Um, I'm advanced classical Pilates certified, and I've been teaching yoga for many, many years. So even if it's, even if it's, I'm either running to a class or here in my home, I actually have a reformer and a chair here in my house. So I usually give myself an hour to do something personally, as far as a workout goes. Wow, okay. And then I'm usually off to the races training clients. If it's, if it's in the baseball world, um, like today I, um, I had three teams today cause I work on the major league side and the minor league side. So, um, I did that. Um, I'm usually on the phone making some type of business call <laughs> driving. Uh, so I'm, I think I'm a, a probably a consistent multitasker. Yep. There's always some marketing or whatever. Then I will typically, my time somewhere between, let's say, 1 and 3 or 1 and 3 30 is when I do my marketing, my emails, my business calls. Okay. Whatever is tactically required or maybe even strategically required on yeah. um, the business side. So I have that time. And then usually on the golf side of my business, I will either have a private client or I'm teaching yoga for golfers. Um I teach a lot out at True North here in Scottsdale. So like for example, today I have a class there from 4 to 5. Yep. And then I give myself the evenings to kind of turn it off. Um you know, I call it a brain dump, and I think that's really important for entrepreneurs is to sometimes say, "You know what? I'm just going to I'm going to shut it off right now and I and I need to just turn it off because you know, as an entrepreneur, um we're never not working, you know, it's a, it's a job without boundaries. And for myself, I'm either thinking about something, creating something, you know, it just, I don't really have a chance to turn it off, but I force myself to do that at night and I usually shut it down around seven. And that's kind of typically how my day looks.
0: Yeah. And at seven, at seven, when you're shutting it down, are you putting the phone on do not disturb? Are you somehow blocking all the incoming noise?
1: Um, I, I just put the phone down and I turn on Netflix.
0: There you go. (laughs) Got it. Perfect. (laughs) So
1: God bless Netflix. It's the best way to bring.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So as I'm listening to that, right. And I, and I know you pretty well, we've known each other for quite some time, but for those just listening in, they hear yoga, they hear Pilates, they hear baseball, they hear golf, right? There's a lot of things that you're doing. Some of which is relatively new, uh, or newer, right. than what you've been doing for a long time. So let, let's yeah. jump backwards a little bit, and then we'll come back to where we are today. So let's talk briefly about how you kicked things off uh, with Yoga for Golfers, right, and what led up to that. Um, because what I love okay. about that program, and, love, and I always refer to your business, actually, uh, when I talk about this, is niching yourself out, right? I could be a yoga teacher, and then within yoga, who knows where I'm going? But the moment you put yes. Yoga for Golfers on there, it's like, ah, I get it. This is what's happening, right? Your customers know who they are. You know who you are. So maybe walk us through how you even discovered all of that for yourself.
1: Well, um, I have been involved in sports my whole life. I've played every sports. I played competitive tennis when I was 10 years old. And really one of my first jobs was teaching group fitness. So I've always been involved with fitness. However, I... Uh, had a corporate job, I was the Southwest district manager for Steelcase, a big fortune five hundred company okay and I was playing golf and I was still involved with group fitness on the side because I just love teaching and I was playing golf and I got paired up with a woman that was a five handicap and I was playing to about a twenty eight and so for the golf yeah. the non golfers out there, she was really good, and i wasn't right so sure. <laughs> So I thought to myself, well, what is she doing that she's a five handicap? Whatever she's doing, I need to be doing that. And she was a yoga instructor. And this was in 1999. Mm -hmm. And yoga wasn't on every street corner. So I started taking yoga and I was immediately smitten by it. I quit my corporate job, Spencer, right? Here I am. I'm living in a gated community. I'm driving a three series BMW convertible. I've got this great salary and I quit my corporate job to teach yoga full time. Well, what happened was, and here's the entrepreneurial part of that, is that I was teaching yoga to demographics of people that were mostly golfers because I live in North Scottsdale, and obviously golf is huge here. And so all my classes were being filled up with men who were over the age of 50 who were pretty much retired, and they were coming back to me and saying – my back doesn't hurt anymore. I'm more focused. I'm, I got my distance back. All of these things that golfers are looking for. And by the way, let me say my handicap went from a 28 down to a 16 very quickly. Yeah, I bet. And in 2000, that's when I got the idea of creating yoga for golfers. And you know, what we do does not look like a yoga class. It's not a flow. It's all based in the biomechanics of the golf swing. And where we currently are with the business is we are now we have certified instructors in over 40 countries worldwide. Wow um, You know we offer we offer online training, we offer training through FaceTime. we have our certification, which is all held on the Coach Now platform, which I love. And, um, so it's really exciting because we're bringing the gifts of yoga to a demographics of people who would never step foot in a yoga studio. And, you know, right. so a guy says to me, my back doesn't hurt picking up my grandkids, you know, that or, 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 you know, they, they can actually turn around to back the car out of the driveway. Well, now you can just look in the screen, but you know, when it's affecting their daily life, then i get really stoked about that and really excited but i want to i wanted to share a quick entrepreneurial story about yeah, starting first so i was going to create my first dvd product for yoga for golfers and i was going to go to the pga show not the big one in orlando but the smaller one in las vegas mm-hmm. and this was way before vistaprint okay so i was ordering i was ordering four color high gloss brochures from the printer again before vistaprint yeah well, back then, it was about $1,500 to have all of these brochures made. I mean, super glossy, high-end, beautiful brochures. Spencer, every entrepreneur listening to this will get it. My home equity line of credit was maxed out. My credit cards were maxed out. My mortgage was due in two weeks, and my mortgage was $1,564. Wow.
0: Okay.
1: Remember, the printing was $1,500. So the printer comes to my front door, and I literally have a check in my hand, Spencer. And I open the front door, and I'm virtually straddling the threshold of one foot in the foyer and one foot outside of the foyer with a check, and this guy has the brochures. And it was like a moment of truth, right? Mm-hmm. So I gave him the check. I took the brochures. I closed the door, and I just went, <gasps> I was like, what did I just do? And I called my mom, like all entrepreneurs do, right? Call their mom. Called my mother, and I said, I really want to mark this occasion and bear witness to it because I'm in this to help people. And I know by starting Yoga for Golfers, I will be able to help a lot of people. Now, less than two weeks later, Spencer, I got a check in the mail my accountant had accidentally overpaid my taxes and it was a refund check I wasn't expecting from the IRS that covered my mortgage. And that was in 2000. So I, I always like to tell that story because it, you know, it does take a leap of faith to be an entrepreneur, but if you're willing to do the full work, and I think if your intention is good and you work your ass off, it's unbelievably rewarding.
0: Absolutely, but you gotta be... Willing to risk it, right? And I I mean, I've I've got so many things that I risked and sacrificed to pull this thing off. um, So I totally get it. Um, Let's, one of the things that a lot of people listening are gonna hear from that too is the certification aspect of it, the creation of content. There's obviously the leap of faith and I know you've had a lot of those probably since then as well that we will talk about. Um, Let's talk about how you went from just you delivering this program, um, to the certification and the content, I'm assuming the content was first, then the certification was second. Yeah. Um, so yeah. let's, let's talk about how did you start packaging this up into some sort of, um, you know, resellable content, right? Cause that was the early days. You couldn't just put it online. You had to put it on a CD or a DVD or something, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we initially, the certifications were all done in person and I would do it three times a year um, here in Scottsdale. Um, I also have a summer home in Vancouver, Canada. So one time a year, we'd probably do it up in Vancouver, Canada as well. So they were all, they were all in person. Yep. And really one of my business mottos is you make it once and you have a million people buy it.
0: Yes. There you go.
1: And so what we did was so that we could scale this is we hired a film crew to come and film a live certification okay We then put those, it's 12 videos for level one and it's 17 videos for level two for yoga for golfers. They both sit on the coach now app, Mm -hmm. which also includes the training manual, which is about 95 pages for the training manual for level one and level two, all sit on the coach now app. And frankly, that's why we've been able to scale this so well into 40 countries is because it has to be offered online. Yeah. And, and I'll just, I'll, I'll back up for a sec. So the other thing is I teach yoga and Pilates and I'm certified in that, but I'm also, I think a lot of the listeners will be familiar with the Gray Institute with Gary yeah. Gray, Dave Tiberio. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually am what's called a gift fellow. So I went through the year long program with them And um, became a gift fellow. It was very, very intense. I had a little sign on my fridge, Spencer, that said quitting is not an option, Catherine.
0: (laughs) I had a couple of other friends that went through it. Yeah, they said it was really intense.
1: It was very, very intense. But the reason why I bring it up is because in terms of quality control and online training, right? is that was a big hurdle for me if i'm not with these people personally how how do i ensure that they have integrated the information properly and enough that they can teach it because they're out representing my brand right and you know i've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on trademarks and and you know all of that in different categories and um i'm probably an expert on trademarks at this point sure but so so once I realized by going through the Gray Institute program, which most of it was online, then I got to experience how this could actually be done successfully. Right. The way that we do it is they do the training online, like I said, sits on the CoachNow platform, and then it culminates in a live teaching practicum over FaceTime. Uh-huh. So physically, myself or one of my teachers, like a master trainer, is the person that sits and literally watches them teach so we can ensure this quality. But what's interesting, I just want to share this about people that are interested in creating some online content is what I have noticed is that the people that do the online training actually assimilate the information better than the people that do it in person.
0: I don't, I don't doubt that at all.
1: Yeah, because they take their time to go through it. They can go back and look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be a little bit too generous and that I give them, I always give them access to the videos on the coach now platform. I don't say, you know, when you're done the certification, you're done because I want them to be able to go back and to continue to look at it. Because like I said, you know, they're out there representing my brand and the last thing I want is for someone to say they're a certified yoga for golfers instructor and, and they're not, or they don't know what they're doing. So it I happens think
0: all the time. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people I run into that say, yeah, I have a certification program and, then I say, well, how do you know they're even delivering it in the way that you would want? And most everybody has no idea, right? You just, they just wish them luck and they could be really doing harm to the brand.
1: Yeah. And back to the business side of it too, the way that we um, continue to maintain continue, well, as much continuity and control as we can sure. is, you know, we, we have a private Facebook page for our certified instructors all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, constantly posting things on there because here's the deal every day I learn something new and that's what I love about doing this work. I I always say, if I think I know everything, that's the day that I don't deserve to serve one client. So as I'm learning things, I'm always posting it on, on the private Facebook page. And also, I also continue to do, I'll do webinars, um, with, with anyone that's available, that's recorded. So we continue to update people on, not just best coaching practices, but best business practices. Hey, this is what we're doing. This is working really well in Scottsdale. You know, we have a teacher who's down in Pinehurst. There's a waiting list to get into her classes. So there's a lot of business practices. And being an entrepreneur, it's actually the business part of it that excites me incredibly.
0: Yeah, I find it to be the same, right? Because I come from the same background as far as coaching and delivering that one-on-one or small group experience. Um, but the business are helping other people uh, coaches do the business that's why this podcast is really focused on the business gets me the most excited yeah. um, so let, let, let's let talk about the niche right the yoga for golfer niche and, and why and maybe you didn't necessarily know this when you did it in the sense of how important niching out would be but maybe you can speak to the importance that you've discovered over time of how being very specific and clear with what you're delivering and who you're delivering it to has what kind of impact that's had on you
1: Well, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. The first thing you need to do is you need to be very clear about who your end user is Yeah. and what, who is the end user? What are their needs, you know? um, And then how can you service it? Because I can have the greatest idea in the world. If it's created in a vacuum and I don't do any market research, then who cares? You know, I can build the greatest website ever, but if I'm not out there, you know, doing podcasts, doing speaking events, you know, writing articles, um, um, you know, everything that, you know, social media, obviously, to get the word out there. So people are are interested in what you know, in, in what you're in what you're doing. But again, I think it really needs to start with the end user and. And I've just been through this process again. I mean, yoga for golfers you know there's a there's a yoga studio on every corner, and I make That's it very very clear to people that this is not a yoga class. This falls under the umbrella of player development. Our umbrella is actually under player development and golf instruction. It doesn't fall under yoga. yep because it's base it's you know the tagline is rooted in the science of biomechanics. And that's, that's something that we're always getting across to people. And it also comes across in the languaging too. So the lang- the language that we use is very specific to golf and not like, you know, everyone knows what like a cat cow poses, right? Where right? it's your hands and knees and you articulate your spine. Well, somebody that doesn't, doesn't know this information will say, Oh, this is really good for your golf swing
0: mm-hmm. or
1: it's really good for your back. Well, what we say is that, you know, posture is the foundation of your golf swing and we need to alleviate C posture so that you can create more shoulder to hip disassociation. So it's the language yep. is very, very specific to the sport. And I, I think, but again, going, going back to your point about the niche, the niching out, I, I think the more that we can develop a niche. I think the better opportunity we have to be successful in business. However, I do think we need to be pliable, mm-hmm. be malleable so that we can shift and change. Because when I, you know when I look at DVDs Spencer that I put out or products that I was selling back when I started, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I would never say that today." Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's already imprinted somewhere, but that's okay. Yep. And and so I'm always trying to learn to learn and make what I'm make my deliverables um, as updated and um, what's the word I'm thinking of relevant. That's what I'm looking for is relevant as possible. And something that I think for for an entrepreneur out there that's thinking about this. There's, we do this in, in our certifications, we have spent a lot of time on marketing and business development. And I can tell you, there's no yoga certification or an athlete certification that focuses on business. None. I I know
0: there there is nothing. I have this conversation all the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So this is, this is a big point of differentiation for the work that I do. But one of the things that we do is we, let's say you have, let's say you, you take these four words. Okay let's say you take a quad, you know, you make four quadrants on a piece of paper. You start with the word knowledge. Okay. And you think to yourself, what unique pieces of knowledge do I have that make me special to the marketplace? Okay. So you start with the word knowledge and you write them out and it might be things that you don't think are necessarily relevant to, to what you're maybe thinking that you're marketing to. Okay. So here's an, here's a quick example. I'm super passionate about nutrition and food and I love cooking and I'm a foodie. Now it doesn't mean that I'm a nutritionist, but that is a a piece of knowledge that might not be so, um, so obvious Mm -hmm. that can help me craft my mission statement and my business. So the first one is knowledge. The second one is esteem. And that is why would people hold you in high esteem? Mm. What do you have to deliver that holds you in high esteem? The, the the third word is relevance. What unique gifts do you have that make you relevant to your potential customer?
0: Right.
1: And the fourth word is differentiation. What do you offer that differentiates you from your competition? So whenever I'm whenever we do our certification, so it's knowledge, esteem, re, relevance, and differentiation are the four words. Like and that. you, you know, and you, you sit and you write down what they are and it's a fluid document. So anytime I'm looking at starting a new business, I sit down and I do that exercise and I found it to be tremendously powerful. The other thing I would recommend is have the person closest to you do the same thing about you.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a great great suggestion. Yeah. I know uh, I've had some friends that have gone through some workshops of sorts, let's say, something similar to what you're describing now. And a big part of that is actually interviewing the people closest to them. Like, why are we friends? What, what value do I bring to our friendship, right? And you kind of keep digging into that and you ask some tough questions. Sometimes your friend is having a hard time answering them because they don't necessarily want to be as honest, but hopefully the exercise produces this level of honesty that yeah. helps you kind of discover what value you're bringing to the world that maybe you're not aware of. So I think that's great. I
1: think you know, I also have a saying which is like I feel that we have a responsibility to be big, right? Mm. To be big, to be great. To, you know, a saying is like you gotta step into your greatness. Yeah. And I don't mean that I mean that with zero ego. I'm saying that you have a responsibility, especially as as coaches,
0: yeah,
1: to kind of step into your greatness, you know, to 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 be big, to be of maximum service, you know. Small doesn't really get you where you need to be and again, that's not there's no ego involved with that It's a completely different animal. Does that does that make sense?
0: Well, it does. I think I think there's a lot of quotes that kind of uh, Say it in a different way, but effectively it's if you can Your paycheck is kind of determined by the amount of people that you can help right and if you're not making a big stance and helping a lot of people um, then one, you're doing a disservice to the world because you're not necessarily teaching them or helping people with something that you're really good at.
1: Yeah. And the
0: other is your bank account's going to be suffering because you're not out there helping enough people. So that's a, a personal thing. Exactly. Uh,
1: yeah. I think too, you know, back to the first conversation about intention is to be very, very clear about your intention. Yeah. You know, and 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 stay true to that. Stay true to your values. Stay true to your integrity. I mean... You know, I've had situations in my business where I've had—I not—not very often, but I had two very significant situations with someone that acted very much out of integrity, and I had to let them go, mm-hmm. right? Because yep. they're out there representing the brand, and if they're not acting in integrity, then they can't be out there representing the brand that I've worked so hard to build.
0: Right, right. It's—I think for a long, a lot of us as coaches, a lot of times you're, there's a number of insecurities that come along with being a coach, right? And I think one of those is applying a appropriate dollar amount to the services that you deliver. Uh, that's one. The other is figuring out a way to market yourself. Even if you don't have a marketing team, like you need to be okay talking about what you do and why it's different and why you're, why you're great. Yeah. And the other, uh when there's many, but the other one I'm thinking of is in, in parallel to what you're saying, as far as you need to really be careful with who you surround yourself with. Yes. Um and don't just latch on to somebody that uh you're then stuck with. And sometimes, sadly, that last part's somewhat unavoidable um when it comes to business, because you may have partnered with a group and you're stuck or you've been um, you know, your business is combined or whatever, it becomes very challenging. Yeah. Um, but hopefully. Uh, you know, as a coach listening to this, you can be very, very careful with who you spend your time with. And if they're not the right fit, you can stop that relationship.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think another thing that's very important for on the business side of it is to surround yourself with a team. Mm-hmm. And when I say a team, I mean, a team that you are referring people to, and they're referring back to you.
0: Yes. I always talk about that. Yeah. Let's, let's dive right. into that.
1: I think that's really important. It's important for, for, for many reasons. One, from the athlete's perspective, they know that they have a team who is talking to each other. And by the way, this is another way that I use Coach Now. Yeah. So I have it for my individual athletes. Let's say it's an individual golfer. I have the swing coach that's on the Coach Now platform. I'm on the Coach Now platform. The client obviously is on it. If it happens to be a junior, the parent is on it as well. I, I don't really train that many juniors, but, you know, so you have that team on there. Yeah. The other thing that I also do um, with my baseball teams, for example, I might have a dynamic activation recovery workout, three separate videos that sit on the Coach Now account, and all the coaches are on it. And we invite, you know, we have with one of my teams, we have 60 players that are on the Coach Now platform. Wow. And that so, I, I and again, so back to the concept of having the team is and I is that I'm not afraid to refer my clients out to someone else that I think can help them, and I think that takes a lot of courage, but I think it shows the client that you really care. And just now, literally, this just happened. Um, I have a new client that just came to me, and there's a lot of back issues, and I just referred her to my, to the physical therapist that I refer out to. And I said to her, you know what, I think you need to, you need to start working with this guy for a while before, before you and I start working with each other. Um, and I'm not afraid to do that. Yeah. But I think, I think people get fearful if I get, you know, I need to keep them here. Well, that doesn't create a lot of abundance that creates, I think a lack of abundance. It's like, this client is not going to leave me because I told them that they need to go to a physical therapist. I actually told them which physical therapist to go to and why, and then we will collectively come together and we'll all know what we're working on. I think that's that's where the power in building your business can be hugely successful.
0: Well, and I think there's a, a law of reciprocity, right? Yeah. Where if you do good by others, they want to do good by you. And if in the in in this example with the athlete. Um, They're going to feel like, wow, Catherine really knows her stuff. She's connected. She knows the right people. She's looking out for me. So then she's going to want to either refer people to you that aren't so banged up, let's say, or come back to you when she's ready. And then on the therapist side, it's like, well, yeah, I owe owe Catherine a solid here. I got to send somebody back her way. So you feed the ecosystem. And that's one of the pieces of advice I always give, especially a brand new coach if you're a specialist, let's say a swing coach or a technical uh, hitting coach, pitching coach, whatever you're doing, yeah, and that's your business because you're not connected to a team or a larger organization, you got to find complementary people um, totally. to partner up with, uh, yeah, and it totally. makes it not only better to share clients, but you can also do like really really awesome long you know multi day experiences if you do it that way, right? Somebody's doing the instructional you know, technical stuff. Somebody's doing the physical, somebody's doing the mental, someone's talking about nutrition. You can really do fun things. And that's what I did when I was younger. Um, and what ultimately led to coach now, because I, I loved all this collaboration, but I didn't have a tool like you've been describing to piece all together.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know what, and what you just described is what I do all the time on the golf side of my business at private clubs. Yeah. We do, you know, we do the one-on-one coaching, you know, we look at, we look at the data, we look at the K we look at, you know, ground, the, you know, the force plates. I mean, we look at all of that and it's, and the, the, the client loves it because we've got this whole team behind them. And from a financial perspective, we have all of these different people that are, that all have the same eyes on it. So financially it's very successful. And then what I do when I do those private sessions at private clubs is I then take videos of their exercises. And again, I put it on the coach now platform and everyone's invited onto the same platform and it's super powerful. It's, it's really, really
0: powerful. And, and ultimately what, what we built this, I mean, we built this for a lot of reasons, right? But I think what we've found in, in a story similar to yours is that what that ultimately leads to is customer satisfaction and that yeah. leads to retention and retention as we, No, and if you're not paying attention to retention, which is kind of a weird way to say that, um, (laughs) if you're not paying attention to it, then that's what you need to be focusing on because you can market yourself all day, but if you're not focusing on keeping the people that you get, then you're blowing it.
1: Yeah. And I think that if you are not retaining customers, I mean, obviously people can come and go and things happen and that kind of thing, but then you really need to take a hard look at what you're delivering. Um, and, and, you know, determine, okay, what do I need to tweak here? What, 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 what do we need to change? You know, um, the other thing I wanted to talk about too is I coach my students, my certified instructors as part of this is that they need to get out, not just in social media, because I think that's pretty easy to do now, sure, but they need to you know, write a couple articles for local magazines for, I mean, and I'm, I'm talking about web magazines, not hard copy because then you start to build your bio. Well, you know what? Oh, I've been featured here. You know, I mean, I do a lot of podcasts. Um, and I think that's, especially if you're new or maybe you're feeling a bit stagnant in your business, that's a way to kind of kickstart it is, Oh, I read about you there or this. I, I, Actually, had someone that I I was doing a biomechanics of yoga workshop, and the woman said to me, "Oh, I saw you on the cover of Arizona yeah, Golf yeah. Association magazine." You know, and it's just, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot, but I think there's lots of ways that you can that you can really, you know, get your name out there. And I do want to say one thing about social media. Okay. Um, I love social media. I'm a social media junkie. I post on my Instagram and my Facebook and my Twitter and my LinkedIn almost every day. Mm -hmm. There was a gal that reached out to me that was interested in doing the kind of business that I do. And she was a friend of a friend. And as a favor to that friend, I said I'd be more than happy to talk to her and just, you know, what does she need? And I would do it anyway. You know, I would help her anyway. Well, I went to her Instagram page. And when I saw her Instagram page, I thought she does not know what she's doing because it was all pictures of the booty. Oh, got it. And the booty, and then the booty and a thong, and then, right? Yep. Which is fine. Which is fine. But not if you're trying to build a reputable brand. Right. And I didn't say, I, I didn't come right out and say that to her, but I said, you need, it's very important to be mindful that everything that you put out there is a reflection of your brand yep. and you only have one chance to mess it up. And if you mess it up and this is why I'm very, very careful about what I post. I'm careful about my language. I don't use, you know, well, I use a lot of foul language in my personal life, but that's because I watch baseball. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I'm just this is just you know maybe and maybe people listening are like, yeah, well, of course, Catherine, but I, I think you need to be really mindful of
0: that. Yeah, no, I I agree because I think nowadays, right, websites like corporate websites or yeah. sales websites are less and less popular. Right, people are visiting them less and less. Sure. Uh, so, or at least it's the second thing they see right? They're, they're going to find you on social media likely before that. Sure. And uh, you're going to want to treat your Instagram, your Facebook, or wherever you're spending time as your lead page, essentially, like that's the first thing they're seeing. So you do need to be mindful of it. And at yeah. the same time, you, you may not know what your story is or what your niche is or what your offer is yet. Sometimes you'll discover that through just putting a lot of stuff out there. But if you have a sense of what that is, make sure that that's what you're putting out there. You can have a personal Instagram page uh, or account for your buddies, but if you're doing something professionally, uh Lance Gill talked about this last time. Like, look at your color scheme, uh, look at the blend of content that you're putting. Yes. Right? There's a lot of different ways to do it. You're not gonna always wanna be just saying, Hey, sign up for my course, sign up for my course, sign up for my course. (laughs) Yeah. There's other things that you're doing. And I'm I'm not pretending to be the guru at all. I mean, I'm not as active as a lot of people on social media, but. Through my role at coach now, I see everything, right? So I, I'm kind of the digester of a lot of things and disseminator of this information.
1: Well, you know what I, I have a saying which is uh, connection before direction.
0: Okay. So yeah, explain you,
1: that. You you have to create a connection with people before you can direct them to either buy something or purchase something or contact you. And there is, there are ways of creating a connection over social media for sure. But I agree with Lance and Lance and I go way back. Um, um, and you know, I, I agree with him completely is, and I, and I, and I do this in my own social media is that I want to post something that actually has value for someone. Right. And the other thing is, this is also a marketing piece. Like if I know that I'm going to be on doing something on Sirius XM or, I'm going to be speaking somewhere or whatever it is. I make sure that my social media post for the next week is a reflection of the content that I'm talking about. Mm. On whether again it's SiriusXM or I'm doing a presentation or whatever it is, because I'm driving people to my social media. And I and here we go. Is it relevant? Yeah. Is it relevant to them or is it a photo of the spaghetti dinner I made last night?
0: Sure. Yeah, and I always find that funny. Yeah.
1: Dinner, but I mean, do you know what? Who cares?
0: <laughs> that's always been my opinion. That's my struggle with social media. Is like, who cares? So you yeah. gotta find something that's relevant for sure. Yeah. And I I wanna I wanna jump back because as we're talking about this, I keep thinking about uh, I wanna talk about golf for a little bit and then jump into baseball and more of the other things that you're doing. Sure. But golf, historically to me, and I've been involved in golf a long time, and a, a big chunk of our user base is golf coaches and golfers. Right. Um, but golf historically while it's somewhat quick to adopt technology or at least look at it yes. it's incredibly slow to evolve in every other area of the sport whether it be the attire that people are wearing you know anything right pace of play etc yes. so I want to talk about your journey in breaking into golf um, because I'm sure there was some challenges along the way sure. uh, I think if you were to start now it might not be as difficult But I think we've seen a lot of growth in the last few years. But let's talk about your challenges uh, breaking into the golf business. You can interpret that however you want, Um, whether that be a gender thing or whether that be just a yoga thing, whether that be adding fitness into golf, the marketing way, anything you want to do, you know, just maybe talk about it.
1: Okay. Well, it it was – I have to say that because I grew up in a golf family – Okay. Golf. The environment of being in golf did, does not feel foreign to me, and it never felt foreign. It felt like somewhere where I already fit in. Good. I wasn't trying to be this, you know, navigate um, an environment that I wasn't familiar with. Okay. So I think that was very helpful for me in my business. Now, the word yoga in golf in the year 2000 was definitely not something that a lot of I mean, some people thought, oh, well, this makes a whole lot of sense. Back in 2000, most people were saying, well, what's yoga? Right. (laughs) Right. Also, remember that when I started, there were only three golfers on the PGA Tour that were talking about fitness. Right. Gary, Gary Player, of course. David Duval and Tiger Woods and Tiger Woods brought golf fitness into the forefront along with you know TPI and you know Lance and, and those guys and I'm very very close with all of them um and now conditioning for golf is not something that is uh, a foreign conversation right but back then it was definitely a challenge i think a really big break for me was getting to do a lot of work on the golf channel and that and that really added a lot of credibility in people's eyes because they saw me on the Golf Channel. Then I started writing articles. I mean, I don't know if people remember this, but I actually co-hosted the first big break with Rick Smith.
0: I do remember that. I definitely yes. remember that. Yeah.
1: And that was, and that was you know what, it, that was an interesting process for me because they didn't use me in any type of way that was a reflection of what I actually do.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate. Okay.
1: Yeah. A lot of it ended up on the editing floor, but it also it also um, reminded me of how little control I have. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then I was doing your game night and I was, you know, I'm doing morning drive and I'm doing all this stuff on the golf channel. So having a regular presence on various shows. And I think if you went to the golf right now and you put in my name, there's like 1200 video tips. Yeah. It's cool you know, and I'm not suggesting that everyone that's out there needs to be at the level of a golf channel because it's, you know, up here, but that's to, to the point about like this, about, you know, writing articles and getting yourself out there in a public way outside of social media. I don't really feel that I had a challenge being a female. I actually think it worked to my benefit.
0: <laughs> Cause there's not as many, there wasn't as many people pushing the envelope that way probably. Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think it worked to my benefit and I'm Um, I, you know, I mean, Hey, if somebody, you know what I'm going to say, um, (laughs) you know, you got to have the brains behind it. So, um, and so that, and the other thing is that cultivating relationships is really how you grow your business. Mm. And I personally believe that just like the connection before direction is that I really owe my career to to the people who have helped me along the way and the relationships that i've built obviously i think that i deliver a very good product and very good services but i also have cultivated very very good relationships
0: yeah absolutely uh,
1: so i you know but but from the business perspective i think the biggest challenge that i've had is at what point do you spend money
0: that's a and, good that's a good point yeah let's talk about that because a lot of people are holding on so tightly and they're not necessarily using money as let's say a weapon as my co-founder Andy used to say. Um, it's easy just to hold on to it tightly and freak out. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. Well, that example of paying the $1,500 for the brochures I think is a great example of when you have to realize when you need to spend money and when you don't.
0: Yeah.
1: I've made a lot of mistakes and I would say my biggest mistakes were throwing money at fear
0: okay interesting yeah tell me more
1: fear of oh somebody over here is doing something so i should go do something that's similar to that i see fear of fear of well i better make sure that i'm at that meeting and spending the money to travel to a meeting when in actuality i don't really have anything to sell to spend the money to go to that meeting now i'm not saying that it's not it's still a good thing to go spend the money to go to a meeting to network and develop relationships. Like I just said,
0: yeah.
1: you know, for example, um, I last year I spoke at the American baseball coaches association. I made sure, and there are 6,600 baseball coaches there, by the way, This are all the coaches outside of major league baseball. I made sure that I had, video products to sell by the way, that sits on the coach now platform Mm -hmm. before I went and spoke at this meeting because in my mind I did some equation. Well, if I get 1% of those 6,600 people to purchase that, then it's going to be worth it for me to fund it. So, you know, you have to think there's the strategic conversation and then there's the very deep tactical conversation and I, you know, I have a woman that I work with who helps me with marketing, who's really become my right-hand person and she and I, she helps me because I don't, I can't do this in a vacuum. And that's the other thing. Don't try to make these decisions in a vacuum, yeah. but be, be strategic about where you need to be and then be tactical about how you can generate revenue from being in those places. Because frankly, I like to travel, but I like to make money too.
0: Well, what's the call to action, right? So you're going to go there. What do you want people to do from interacting with you? Some of the times it's just knowing that you exist, right? That's the thing that you're there to do. It's an awareness event. Uh, others, it could be I'm promoting for the next event. You saw me here, come to the next thing. Or exactly. it's buy something. It, it, it could be exactly. a number of things, but you're right. You, you need to have some sort of hopefully measurable result from attending something. Um, yeah. If you're in the business that we're in, in a sense that it's not just there for fun, um, you're you're there for business. So you want something measurable by the end of it.
1: Yeah, I think measurable is a very good point. I think you you know the other thing is everything that you do needs to be measurable. Now now candidly, I've thought I measured something accurately, and in hindsight, it's like, well, that was dumb. And so you know, let me just give you an example about like these this content that we created for baseball. Um, it's really for the athlete side of my business. It's not specific to baseball, but it's for athletes and it's based in biomechanics and functional yoga and Pilates and movement and mindset and, and breath work and all of that only for athletes is the reason I, I went to the coaches conference a year before I spoke at the coaches conference is because I needed to understand that population and what they needed. Yep. So I, I thought, now this is, remember, I'm now planning three, this was three years ago. So I was planning this three years back. Yeah. And someone had said to me, well, you know, you really should go, you really should have content first. And I said, no, that's backwards. I agree. I need to more clearly understand not just what the client needs, but also what is the price point? oh
0: well, and what's the language, right? You get found out pretty quickly if you say, nice field goal or whatever. Not to say that you were that ignorant about baseball, but I'm just saying as a very silly example, we even find that at Coach Now, I can speak coach for sure. I can speak to any coach at any sport, but when you want to get into the weeds about the specifics and I'm on the line with a rugby coach and they're talking about the different things, I'm like, I I don't even know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. And you know what? When in doubt, shut up.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's also a good, good point.
1: You know, I mean, we had, I'll tell you, we had a situation where someone was, was teaching a a class and she said, and she's, they were in the relaxation part at the end of yoga. Right. And this was when we were doing just some practice teaching during one of the certifications. She was not a golfer and that's fine. We have golf professionals that know nothing about yoga that have been successfully certified and we have yoga instructors that have never held a golf club. It's my job to teach you everything in the middle. Anyway, we were in corpse pose, right? The relaxation point at the end of class. And she said, so imagine you're standing on a par three and it's 500 yards.
0: There you go. It's found out immediately.
1: So, you know, when we did the feedback, you know, that one of the other students said, I would never come back to your class. And and that's why I tell people, if you don't know, don't say anything, just listen yeah. and learn. Yep. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause those little faux pas, as innocent as they are, you lose credibility instantly. I know, uh, on our side too, we've, we've struggled and I think we still struggle with this sometimes, um, is finding the right imagery, right? Because we cover so many sports We pick an image and it looks good. But if a trained eye looks at it like, yeah, that's BS. That's so canned, right? That's not a real thing. So when you're presenting your whole brand, you need to be very careful with the language you choose, the imagery you're choosing, especially I think for someone like yourself, who's gone deep into golf, had a lot of success there and has now pivoted part of your business into baseball and you're Mm -hmm. doing some massive things in baseball. But if you hadn't done what you had done, which is learn first, learn the language, learn all about it before just jumping in, you probably would have been – well, one, you would have been found out. But two, uh, you would have been found out because you weren't humble enough in the sense like, hey, I don't don't know. I know I can help you, but I don't know all the language, so let's just be clear about that. If you had presented in some other way, they would have just immediately dismissed you.
1: Yes. I think it's very important you know, to say that you don't know. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a quick story about that. <clears throat> so, um, I was with the Dodgers for a long time. And at that time, Joe Torre was the, was the head guy at the Dodgers. Okay. And Manny Ramirez was there. And if you guys don't know who Manny Ramirez is, very famous baseball player who's now retired. Yep. yep. And <clears throat> excuse me. And I was coaching, I was training Joe Torrey at his home three days a week and I was training the players in the morning and you know, now, I mean, and as you know, I work for numerous organizations, yep. baseball organizations anyway. So I was training Manny one day and he said, he said, Oh, he said, Catherine, I think this is making me faster. What do you think? Hmm. And I said, I don't know, Manny. I said, you do so many things. You do agility training. I mean, you do all this stuff. Like I would never be so. I This is my, this is how I answer it is that, I'm a spoke in a huge wheel of performance. I think my spoke is very important, but I'm part of a huge wheel. And when I was training Joe that afternoon, he said, oh, I heard it's going really well with Manny. And I, and I, and I told him this story, and I told him that I told Manny, I don't know. And Joe Torrey looked at me and he said, that's why you're a great coach, Catherine. Mm-hmm. Because you're willing to tell someone like a Manny Ramirez, I don't know. And I never forgot that. Yeah. Especially coming from a man like Joe Torre. Yeah. Uh, was really was you know it's like don't be afraid to say that you don't know. Right. Uh, it's it's I think it's you're more respected by saying that you don't know than trying to BS people because they'll they'll smell it right away.
0: I agree. I agree. And I I think we run into the same challenges on our our side as um, you know people request features or bug fixes and this is a little bit of an aside but it's like. When's it gonna be done? Uh, how's it gonna look? I'm like, I wish I could tell you, but I don't know. If I told you anything, I'd be lying. Uh, yes. So all I can tell you is that we're working on it. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I learned that lesson from going to an Apple conference a few years ago. We got invited to this like, um, invite-only Apple developer thing. Oh, cool. And, and as I show up there, which was very cool, um, I'm in the room with a bunch of developing teams that have since built some massive applications. And anyway, they're asking, when is this coming? When is this coming to the guys at Apple? And Apple goes, you know, I heard, I heard your feedback. We've heard that before. We'll add it to the list. That's the canned <laughs> answer. They answered everything with that. We're going to remember I heard, that. <laughs> I heard your feedback. We've added it to the list. I, I'm i not even going to say anything else. They would just move on and look at you just like deadpan. Like, I think it's great. Because I, I think you want to be very cautious with not overpromising and under-delivering. I think oh, no matter absolutely. what you're doing, that's crucial. Absolutely. Um, so, you know,
1: I'm yeah. so gonna say too. I think, and, and it's even it's even okay to admit that you messed up. I mean,
0: that is crucial. Yeah, yeah. I'll that.
1: do that. You know, I. You know, we 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 very very rarely because most of our products are are purchased as instant videos, yeah. right? But we still, in the golf side of the business, have some people that want to order a DVD. Okay, and we have so little that I'm actually the one that takes it to the post office because it almost never happens. Yeah. Well, I missed an order because I was away and I missed an order and the gentleman sent an email today. I just want to know when it's coming. And I emailed him right back and I said, my sincerest apologies. I, I missed this. Yeah. So go in the mail today. And the email back was, thank you so much. I'm so inspired by your work. I'm finally going to get my body moving. I'm really excited you know, it's okay to, it's okay to admit that you messed up. I mean, I think that's when people see your humanity and, you know, it's no, it's not the ego. It's the humanness, the humanness of who we are. I think as coaches makes us successful.
0: Uh, absolutely. So let, let's, yeah, I mean, we can go on about that one because I think, uh, a lot of us don't take the opportunity to kind of admit when we've, when we've blown it. I think, uh, as a company at coach now, we had a time where some other folks were kind of spearheading the marketing side and weren't necessarily taking ownership of some of the mistakes they're making. Sure. Um, and it's not necessarily internal mistakes. It was mistakes that were hitting our end users. Um, and I was advocating cause we got acquired. I wasn't necessarily running the show and I'm still kind of not running the show, but, um, I was advocating, advocating more so like, Hey, it's okay to uh, to admit that we messed up. It's totally fine. Like we're yeah. going to build a better relationship with anybody that still is using the platform. As a result of that, uh, because we're, we're building a relationship. We're building a a deeper bond. Um, So I believe in that very much. Is that
1: it's about, it's about the relationship, not a transaction.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And I I don't, I don't, I don't like the transaction. I like the relationship.
0: Yep. Absolutely. So let's talk about the relationship with the baseball uh, teams that you're working with. And the part of the reason I want to dive into that is because those are not easy gigs to get. Right? Yeah. There's only so many baseball teams and they don't have someone like you on every, well, one, there's not someone like you on every organization, but let alone there's only a few organizations. So yeah. uh, let, let's maybe talk about the mechanics of those deals. We won't talk numbers or anything, but how do you get introduced to a group? How do you sell to that group? How do you convince them that you're the right person for it? You know, sure. all those kind of mechanics, because those are daunting things for us.
1: Yeah, it can be daunting. I mean, actually how I first kind of got drafted in baseball was through golf. And the first team that I worked for was the San Diego Padres. The head strength coach saw me on the golf channel and, and tracked me down and said, we want to bring these methodologies to baseball, but we want someone that has a degree in biomechanics, who can speak to professional athletes, who's not going to come in and be like, you know, move with the oneness of the being of the other stuff. Um, and, and, and this is also where I think cultivating your relationship comes into play. How I have gotten these other teams is twofold. Number one, I've gotten them because other coaches has, have referred me to other teams. Got it. Yep. First and foremost, the other thing is, is that I make sure that I attend meetings where my potential employer could hire me. Yep. So I go to these meetings where I know these people are. I I have been referred. Honestly, it's it's been it's been a hundred percent referral in baseball.
0: As it as it should be, and I think any coach that's really been at it yeah. for a little bit, most of your business should be a referral.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Let, let's talk about the structure though, uh, yeah. because you're gonna you have to negotiate for yourself. Yeah, um, they every team's gonna feel like they're the greatest thing ever. Yes, you're so lucky to work with them. Yeah, um, we'll pay you less just because you can put it on your LinkedIn, whatever, right? So let, how do you advocate for yourself? And how do you position yourself as you're going through this? Or do you have somebody else negotiate for you? I don't even know. Yeah.
1: That's a very good question. I do all the negotiations myself. Okay. Um, I am hired by the organization. And I have, um, a staff of teachers that have been through my golf certification, as well as my human performance for athletes certification. That's a prerequisite, Mm -hmm. um, that they work for me as independent contractors. So I have a, I have a whole team of teachers that work for me because obviously I'm one human being, I can't be everywhere. I can't be with eight teams at the same time. It's humanly impossible. But, but again, this is for other people that are out there is that they know that the quality of what I'm delivering is an extension of what I deliver. Right. Now, having said that, and this kind of goes back to you know, pricing and structure and that kind of thing and, and, and being in integrity and also asking for what you're worth, Yeah. which I think for a lot of entrepreneurs is very challenging. And I don't want to make a broad stroke, but I will. I think for female entrepreneurs, it's even harder. Um, and this is just what I've come across from doing this for so many years because I've now been in MLB for 17 years and trust me there isn't a woman within a five mile radius of doing the work that I do yeah so I had a situation I just want to share this story and I had a situation where you know if you think about this it's a very small knit community but any profession is very small knit niche is very small is what I meant to say, whether it's golf or MLB or whatever sport you're in, it's a very tight knit community. So I had a coach that said to me, Hey, we want to start working with you. And, and, but you know, what do you charge? So I told him what I charge and he said, well, that seems like a lot of money. And so I said, well, let's do this. And I said, I said, by the way, this is what I charge everyone and i need to charge everyone the same thing because when you're filling figuring out your price structure you don't want to charge this country club 395 dollars, and then you go five blocks away and you're charging 195 there because one is a private club and one is a you know a driving range and i'm j- i'm making you know you know what yeah I'm saying.
0: but at the same time if your pricing structure is convoluted you're going to forget which is not a, a good thing but more importantly people are going to yeah. re- talk about it and go, yeah. well, I got the Catherine discount, you know, and that's exactly. not good for your business. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And so what I said to him is I said, okay, I will make you a deal. I said, for this first season, I will do it for this. And I discounted it slightly. I said, but we have a verbal agreement that if you're happy with my services next year, we go back to my normal price. Yep. Okay. Which I was fine with. And I didn't lowball, it's so low that it wasn't worth my time. It was just, you know, made him feel better. Hey, next year rolls around, Spencer. What do you think happens?
0: He wants the same deal.
1: He sure does. Yeah. And I said, no. I said, we had an agreement. I did this for you for the first year. This is the second year. You know what I can deliver. I said, no, I, I'm, I can't, I can't do it. I won't do it. Yeah. And I thought to myself, oh my God, what did I just do? Holy, like, you know, this is like a big team. Right. And I'm yeah. thinking, what did I just do? And I said, I have to be willing to walk away. Mm-hmm. And now you know what happened? I'm now in my fifth season with that team yeah. paying, the, paying the full price. Yep. Um, I think you need to be really, really careful about pricing structures and, you know, cutting deals and giving things away for free and, and all that stuff yes I understand there's certain you know when I was starting out Spencer I can't tell you how many things I gave away for charity events because it's sure. great it's great marketing and I still do things for charity but you know I I'm not I you got you got to stand your ground you just have to stand your ground and you have you deserve to be paid for what you're worth and what you bring to the table and if they're not willing to do it somebody else will
0: well and I think you're absolutely right and I think most of us aren't as structured in this way, because this is like a full, full-time full business development person that you'd have to hire to do this. But I think conceptually, you should be thinking about it in such ways that what are the costs to acquire a lead, right? And kind yep. of bake that, bake that into your pricing overall, right? So if you think about us as a software business, right? These are the numbers that we run. And I think if you can snag some of these ideas for a regular coaching business, it's probably helpful, right? It's like, well, how much are we spending to acquire in a lead? How much in our business, we say, well, how much are we spending to acquire an install, right? Install the app. What's that going to cost? Then how how much does it cost to get someone to go from install to trial? How much does it cost for them to convert to a paid customer? What's their lifetime value? How much does it cost for us to support that customer ongoing, right? There's all these metrics that you can track. My encouragement to anybody listening to this is try to figure out what things are important to you so that as you're building out an email list by giving out a lot of free content or you're going to charity events and at giving them things like those are ways to attract leads. So that should hopefully be baked into some, somewhere in your business from yes, a financial right. standpoint to understand leads to conversions to a lifetime value of a customer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
1: I mean, you're, what you're talking about is you, you are, you, you've dialed in the very tactical specific part of your business. Yes. I mean, I wish I was as smart as you guys because I don't do that. Well, but, it's hard.
0: All I'm saying, what I'm saying, is like you would need someone on your team. I think, yeah. to be running those numbers all the time. Well, I think, uh, but I think know, at least conceptually, you want to think about it. Like, what are things that I can maybe measure that I'm not or understand yeah. the value of giving something away for free? It's okay. Sometimes that's okay if well, it has I, a return. I, right?
1: I first started out. I gave a lot of things away
0: for free. Yeah,
1: and yeah. and even. Even, you know, if I'm maybe going to be working with a new team or I'm working with a new athlete or a new performance center or whatever it might be, I might say, hey, you know what? Let me come in, spend a half hour with you, give you an example of what I do. Of course, I don't charge for that. Right. I mean, even now, but I mean, to your point, this is also that it's, it's always the ROI, But it's not the ROI is not some random thing out here. I wonder what my return on investment is going to be over here. It's like okay, again to your point, what is it going to cost me financially to go there? What is my what is my end goal? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I think Mm -hmm. you kind of want to. What I do is I start with my end goal in mind. What does what does success look like for me? And then I work my
0: way backwards. Yeah, I think it's a great way to do it. A great way to do it. And I think. Um, from our side, and, and this is something that I think anybody can take, it's, it's a lot easier to track a lot of those things that I was talking about if you're doing paid advertising. Just, sure. just as a very simple example, right? I pay $50 on Facebook, gets this amount of clicks, this amount yeah. of people to visit the website, this amount of people enter their email. Then you go, oh, okay, it cost me $3 to get one lead. Yeah. Okay, I adjust my ads, I adjust my website, blah, 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 right? So there's so many different ways to kind of skin it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I think it's just important for anybody that's trying to build scale or awareness or anything like that um, to do that. And I'm not saying go and hire an outsourced marketing team because that'll cost you more than you probably ever will make back. But just educate yourself on some of these things and how it might pertain to your business.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, there's a lot of great books out there, but I think find people that find people that are successful and spend time with them. I have, I have a couple of very close, successful business people that are, that are near and dear to me that I'll say, let's, um, let's, let's meet for dinner. Let me buy you some sushi. And, um, and I'll say, what do you think about this? And how about that? And, you know, and, and then, and then I make, then I make my own decision, but I don't think as an entrepreneur, We should be working in a vacuum. I think just the opposite is that there's so much great information out there now. And again, cultivating relationships with people who have been successful before you, for me, it has been, I mean, priceless.
0: Yeah. And I I think regardless of where you are, if you live in a city that supports it, and this is something that I've discovered about living in the LA area, finally, um, in my world within tech and all the stuff I do uh, you know, joining a co-working space so you can meet other people, going to networking events if you can. Um, yes. I've been in a spot recently where I've been advising other kind of startup companies and having a lot of fun doing that. And, uh, if you can't do that you live somewhere more remote, connect with people, social media, try to build a mastermind group where you talk, you know, once a month or something, you get on a call with five or six people and just kind of chop it up.
1: I agree. I think it's great advice. It's great. Yeah.
0: So whatever you can do that way. And I think, You are the average of the people or the five people that you spend time with. That's what a lot of people say. And I I definitely believe that to be true. Um, And uh, in addition, I'm so grateful that through this business that I'm in, I get to talk to so many great people like you.
1: Uh, Well, you know, I always I always love spending time with you. And um, I also think, you know, to your point, it's like to surround, you know, this is maybe someone's going to roll their eyes when they say this, but I think this is really true. You've got to surround your, yourself with people that are like-minded, that are into growing and doing and being creative and whatever that is for you, whatever that looks like. You have to be around those people because the other ones will, you know, there's always that, as an entrepreneur, there's always that little doubt in your mind of, hmm, am I, am I really this good? Am I, you know, yeah. it's because there's always that little negative thing right here. You need to be around people. I'm not saying around people that aren't truthful with you, but people that can help lift you up and support you. It's the people in this journey for me and you know as as I'm move, as I'm, you know, moving forward now and going into this human performance for athletes program, it's kind of a new business for me. I'm surrounding myself with people who are helping me build it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I think the people that you surround yourself with don't always have to be 10 steps ahead of you or years ahead of you. No. You can kind of treat them like a substitute teacher that's only two chapters ahead. You know, yeah. they just know a little bit more than you and you can follow along. <laughs> uh,
1: I've never heard that. So,
0: so with that, you've given a ton of great advice. We've, we've talked, uh, we could talk forever. I know that about us, but in, in sen- out of sensitivity for the listeners, sure. um, let's, sure. let's find a way to, to kind of wrap this up a bit. So I'm going to ask you kind of two more things. Um, The first thing, which is kind of a generic question, but I'm always curious about what the answer is, and you may have already said it, but as somebody that's listening to this, that's maybe earlier on in their coaching career, which I think a lot of these folks that are listening to this are, um, what advice would you give them? If, If something kind of comes right out at you, what advice would you give somebody that's kind of new into the coaching game?
1: Surround yourself with people that can help you with your business is, is, is one, I think very important thing. I think also to be really clear about your intention, what, and again, doing this now for as long as I've been doing it, I always connect back every morning to my intention, which is how can I be of maximum service to others? It always comes down to that for me and the money will flow from that. And again, I'm not, you know, the other thing is, being clear on your intention, but really doing the footwork and cultivating the relationships that you, that you need to do at, because those are the people that are going to lift you up. And, and what, you know, when times are hard, when you're down to no money <laughs> and you have to make a decision about to maybe jeopardize, I'm not suggesting anybody jeopardize their house, but do you know what I'm saying? It's oh, like sure. When all There's the make or
0: break moments all over the place.
1: Yeah, it's the make-or-break moments exactly. The make-or-break moments. Um, you you need that kind of support. Um, I think those those are some things. Yeah, I have to think through that. I'll think more about that, Spencer. I'll put it on my Instagram.
0: There you go. And that that was my last question actually. Where mm-hmm. can people find you? How they can how can they connect with you? Yeah. Um, how can they learn more about your business? Even if they might not necessarily be a client because there may be another coach, but. It sure. well, uh, doesn't fit all, that maybe doesn't fit. But like, how can they connect with you? What What do you want them to do?
1: Yeah. So a couple of things. First of all, I want to say that anyone listening that is 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 or watching that's interested in me helping them, you know, I I will always hop on the phone with somebody, even if we hop on WhatsApp and they're you know wherever they are in the world. um I'm here to help, and I really want to get that across because this entrepreneurial part is the stuff I love. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I love it. Um, so I have two webs. Well, let me go to, um, on Twitter. I'm at Roberts yoga. Okay. Okay. On Instagram, it's the name of my second business, which is human performance for F O R sports, but there's underscore between each of those words so it's human underscore performance underscore for right sports okay i'm at human performance for sports.com and i'm also at um i'm also at yoga for golfers.com which is yoga for f-o-r golfers.com shoot me an email through any of the any of the social media or you know direct message me whatever it is Um, I also want to say too, that, uh, I think LinkedIn is a very powerful tool too.
0: It's becoming even more and more. I think I'm spending more time Uh, there too.
1: Yeah. So I think LinkedIn is too, but I'm, I'm happy to help if I can help anybody at all. And you know, Spencer, I need to say thank you to you because I literally use coach now every single day. I I use, (laughs) I use it with my individual athletes. I use it for my team's. Um, I use it as the platform for both my Yoga for Golfers and my Human Performance for Athletes certification. I use it every single day. I could not do my business as successfully as I do without Coach Now, and I really mean that, Spencer.
0: Much appreciated. Thank you. I would say you're welcome, and thank you for all of that stuff. So uh, We've had a great time. I, I, I you know, want to spend more time with you. Hopefully, next time out in Arizona, we can hang out. Yeah, sounds um, good. But in the meantime yeah, thanks for everybody. Thanks to everyone for listening. And I hope that you connect with Catherine along the way. And uh, yeah, Catherine, we'll talk soon.
1: Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Spencer.
0: Thanks. Bye. Hey there, Spencer here again with a quick reminder. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to review, share and subscribe. It's our goal to make as big an impact on the coaching world as we can. And your support helps us do that in a big way. So again, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.